Amen for all my healing, my sickness and my pain. Amen. I claim those precious blood stains. Praise God. Amen. I like that. That's good singing choir. We appreciate that. Appreciate your presence. Amen. As we uh, enter into the month of November. Doesn't seem possible. Amen. But you know what that is? It's turkey month. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Lord. It's canceled out. Any good that was in the month of November is canceled out because that's when Tyler was born. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Well, we do appreciate your presence. A good, good crowd this morning. And we greatly are so excited to have uh, amen, the Recovery Soldiers Ladies Ministry with us, and uh, amen, I knew they were going to be with us in November, I just had kind of forgotten the specifics, and then I got a phone call this week and said, we'll be there Sunday morning, I was like, well, praise God, just come right on, <laughs> amen, but we are so happy for them to be here, and I'm sure they'll be a blessing uh, to us, no doubt about that, I have no questions in my mind that they're going to be a blessing our church, but we also want to uh, return the favor, and we want to be a blessing to them as well. So we will, at the end of the service, give you an opportunity to uh, to give, uh, amen, Give a, we'll take up a special love offering on behalf of these ladies, and um, excited about that. You pray for them as they come and minister to us this morning, but let's just go ahead and get some uh, preliminaries out of the way just by way of announcements. Uh, deacons and trustees, I do need to meet with you this afternoon. Uh, let's say 4 o'clock, it may be 4.15 before we get started, but 4, 4.15 as we've got our quarterly business meeting coming up this upcoming Wednesday night. So um, let's, uh, let's uh, be there, uh, deacons and trustees, and then again our church Wednesday night following our prayer meeting service will have that um, quarterly business meeting. We've got a fall revival coming up with uh, Brother Barry Rackley, pastor at Rogersville Baptist Temple. He'll be with us uh, the end of this month, uh, immediately after Thanksgiving, November the 28th through at least the 30th. We think that services may very well go through Thursday and Friday night, so um, excited about our fall revival. And we need revival, church. Amen. Not just as far as our nation and our community, but our church needs revival. I need revival. Amen. So let's be praying that God will... Prepare us and get our hearts ready, and we'll be stirred up and ready to go. Um, you're not, I promise you're going to hear a good preaching, no doubt about that. But uh, the preacher doesn't bring revival. God does. So we need to pray and be prepared for that. Uh, uh, that being said, along those lines, some have expressed a desire to uh, see what we can do to, to um, amen, to strategize and try to reach our community and get people in. Well, I like that, don't you? And this isn't me. I'm not the one that, uh, that that got this stirred up. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't blame the pastor for this one. But uh, amen. We're going to have a meeting next uh, Sunday afternoon at 4.30 p.m. here at the church. And we're going to just talk about what we can do to, um, to fill this church up for a fall revival. So uh, amen. Wouldn't that be great if we had a full house? Uh, amen. Go out into the highways and the hedges. Compel them to come in that my house may be full. The Lord's desires for His house to be full. Amen. So do remember that meeting next week. We also do need uh, special items for our United for Christ Youth Ministry. We're in need, of, in need of drinks in pouches or boxes such as Capri Sun, Kool-Aids, or juices. 
No caffeine. Can I get a witness this morning? Uh, individually packaged snacks, chips, or Little Debbie cakes. Uh, make sure you have enough for the pastor to have a snack time. Uh, amen. Uh, go ahead, Tyler. Yeah. Maria, Wendy. Okay. Amen. So again, let's make sure we take care of these kids and many of them uh, come to church hungry and we want to make sure that they don't leave that way. So praise the Lord for that. Um, any other announcements that I'm forgetting? I feel like I'm forgetting something. All right, prayer request. Uh, it's been a busy week, had a lot going on. Certainly need to continue to remember the Stafford family. Appreciate all that stepped up and provided the support for uh, Bruce's family, Miss Ellen and Krista and uh, Ariel and John and Bruce Jr. Uh, we love them dearly. We miss Brother Bruce. United Baptist Church will never be the same uh, as we've suffered another great loss. But I do appreciate you stepping up and our ladies fixed a wonderful meal on Friday. Trust me, it was good. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. But uh, thank you for that. And uh, again, the, I, I think that uh, I'm confident that that family knows that they're loved and cared for by United Baptist Church. And we need to pray for them. They've got some some spiritual needs in that family. And wouldn't it be great if somebody come to know the Lord uh, through Brother Bruce's passing? So remember that. Pray for Gary and Francis Gridley. Remember, it's good to have Dee Dunbar back with us. Amen. Uh, tough as nails and good to have her back in services pray for her pray for Otis Melton I talked with him yesterday and he still needs our prayers uh, good to have uh, Mike and Grace back they've been sick and down with the crud and hallelujah good to have them pray for them remember my daughter Caroline and her health uh, pray for um, amen I assume Uncle Kenny's not feeling well today yeah remember uh, Kenny Thacker remember him uh uh is Lola, Lola, how's Maya? Oh, she's perfectly fine now. She's more worried about the black eye. Okay. Amen. Praise God. Had a car accident and the Lord was with her. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Uh, continue to, rem to remember uh, Miss Callie and her health. Miss Linda Coggins, uh, still no word, right? Just hurry up and waiting. All right, remember her and her health. Uh, let's continue to, um, uh, amen, uh, pray for Joe and Barbara Collins as they are now out of the hospital. Joe had a stroke. Remember Crystal and Terry Deweese. Remember Nellie Barham. Uh, amen. Remember Bandy Thompson. We need to pray for him. Uh, how's your neighbor doing, Dolores? Amen. Remember Miss Beulah, uh, Renner in prayer. Remember Shirley Niece. Remember LV as Shirley has, uh, her condition is rapidly deteriorated and they uh, have brought home health in, brought a hospital bed in and uh, really remember her but also pray for LV as I know he went several nights this week without sleep and uh, we just need to pray for LV and Shirley. Uh, pray for Gail Felton as she is in uh, ICU. 
Uh, again, uh, they put a feeding tube in, in this week, and she's down to 60-some pounds. So remember, Gail Felton in prayer, uh, and boy, we could just go on and on. But I especially, I saw Denise. Denise, is, uh, is he here? Amen. Praise God. Uh, he scored three touchdowns Friday night. Amen. Isn't that good? Scored three touchdowns. Nash. But the last one, we thought he broke his ankle. Amen. Is, is your ankle feeling better, Nash? Starting to. Amen. But uh, we went up there with them, and uh, I think he's just trying to get some attention, don't you? Uh, but as of right now, they think it's just sprained, but once the swelling goes down, they'll be doing another x-ray. But, uh, amen, I know he had every girl at South Green High School all tore up. Amen. So, amen. Remember Nash in prayer. We love him dearly and just pray that, uh, that he'd heal up. Amen. All right, any other prayer needs this morning? Go ahead, Tyler. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Tyler gave his testimony Tuesday night. I thought he's going to cut out preaching there for a while, so. I was going to leave when he started, hallelujah, but amen. Continue to remember Tyler in prayer. Uh, go ahead, Michael. Amen. Remember Miss Joanne Knight? She's... Yeah. Amen. Amen. Sure do miss Joanne when she's not here. Others today. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. Uh, long story short, Caroline's crooked. Amen. So, <laughs> hallelujah. But uh, I do appreciate you mentioning Kim. Miss Kim had emergency surgery this week to uh, remove her appendix. And they actually had to cut. They did, couldn't do the liposuck, whatever you call it, scopic. I'm not in, yeah, sorry. But uh, anyway, they had to cut her open. But she is at home and she's very sore. So let's remember Miss Kim in prayer. Amen. Somebody else? Yeah, go ahead, Barbie. Remember Sam and his uh, sh- shoulder. Uh, if he'd be, yeah. Well, if you'd behave, maybe you wouldn't mess your other one up. But 
Amen. Remember Sam. We need to pray for him as he's got shoulder surgery coming up in December. Uh, anyone else today? Yeah, go ahead. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, Michelle. Remember, Barbara and Phyllis in prayer. Any other prayer needs today? Yeah, go ahead, Lyle. Uh, Tony Jones' dad, remember him in prayer. Miss, uh, also, Miss Lula Cutchall, pray for her too. Any others? Nathan Venerable. Uh, he's in his 30s, and uh, they've only given him days to live. Wow. Uh, also, you say, what, Brittany, what's her last name, man? Bacon? Okay, all right. All right, Brittany Bacon and then Nathan Venerable. Anyone else? Amen. What's that, that name again, Robert? I'm sorry. Sorry to put you on a Danny and Wanda Gwynn. Any others? Yeah, go ahead. Amen. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Good, brother. Praise God. <coughs> Amen. Wonderful. Anyone else? Yeah, go ahead, Wayne. Um, Amen. Uh, two of our youth kids lost their dad. So remember this need. Anyone else? Unspoken request by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones we need to pray for. Pray for, um, continue to pray for all of the, um, the situations across the world. Crises. Uh, amen. This world needs prayer. Uh, pray for our election Tuesday. And can I already can I just go ahead and put a plug in? Vote the <clears throat> right way, okay? Hint, hint. 
Vote the <clears throat> right way. All right. All right, we'll gather around the altar. We'll bring these requests for the Lord. If you'd like to join us, do so. If not, pray there in your seats. Please pray for the ladies uh, today as they come and minister to us here in a little while. Josh with us, you lead us in prayer, sir. Father, we thank you, God, this morning, Father, that we can come and gather, Lord, and Father, in your house, in your name. Oh, God, Lord, to thank you, Father, we're nothing without you, God. And, uh, Father, where would we be, God, without the Lord, God? Oh, Lord Jesus, today I pray. Father, Lord, uh, thank you, God, that your son is ready in heaven, in your name, Father, your name. Father, you'd be with us in spirit and our fullest presence, God, God, I pray, 
regular offering. Let's have a couple of kids come forward. There they are. Appreciate your faithfulness as we did meet our missions goal for the month of October. Praise God for that. And I do want to remind you that we will receive uh, a special love offering on behalf of the Recovery Soldiers Ladies Ministry at the end of the service. As Anthony, you lead us in prayer. Amen. Turn to uh, page 23 in your gold hymnal. Stand all over the house uh, today. Let's sing to God be the glory. Amen. Great things He hath done. Has the Lord done anything great in your life today? Praise His name. He is worthy. To God be the glory. Great things He hath done. So loved He the world that He gave us His Son Who yielded His life at atonement for sin And opened the light All may go in Praise the Lord, praise the Lord Let the earth hear His voice Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and in the glory. Amen. On the second, oh, perfect redemption. The purchase of every believer, the promise, amen, the vine. Oh, I like that. He believes that moment from Jesus apart. Sing now, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him. That's good singing. Amen. And the last. Great things He hath promised, great things He hath done. Rejoicing through Jesus the Son, but better and higher and greater will be our wonder, our transport. Jesus, oh, I'm going to see Him one day. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Amen. Amen. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come.
great anthems of the church this morning is praise the Lord to God be the glory the great things he hath done amen and I believe we're going to hear about some great things that God's done this morning uh, through these ladies we appreciate uh, the uh, amen the recovery soldiers ministry as they've they've been here several times but this is the first time that we've been blessed to have the ladies group and uh, I'm excited to hear what God's doing Amen, uh, through the ladies' ministry. Hey, these, uh, these ladies need help just like the men do. Amen. Praise God. I found that a lot of you women need more help than we men. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. All right, I just killed the spirit on that one, didn't I? Amen. Amen. No, amen. All right, well, we do appreciate them, and I've told them just to take the liberty uh, to mind the Lord. Amen. I believe God's got a plan for our service, and I'm just excited, uh, amen, to, uh, to hear them and, and have them minister to us. And then again, at the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity to do the same in return. Ladies, come on, and you just mind the Lord today. church. My name is Joni and I'm a leader here uh, at Recovery Soldiers Ministry. If you've never heard of us, we're a 12-month uh, faith-based recovery home where we actually live for a full year. Um, we are under, during this year, we are under intensive discipleship training. Uh, the wake up, We wake up every morning at 5.30. By 6 o'clock, we are on our knees in prayer for 20 minutes. We know that life of addiction um, leads to sin and leads us to be very selfish and out of control. Our program is structured to design to teach positive life skills to prepare us for a future of full of life and success. We believe that an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is the only way for us to experience lasting freedom Amen. and restoration. We are excited to be here with you today to share a message of hope for you and your addicted loved ones. If addiction isn't in your family, it's creeping up on the streets of our community and it's destroying yes. our families and our lives. And we know ultimately it is, that it is our adversary, the devil. He brings many harsh realities to today's society. Reality is 22.5 million Americans abused drugs last month alone. 
Reality is by the time I get done speaking, five people will die from an overdose today. Reality is that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What is reality? Reality is when you feel like you will never be good enough. So you develop both anorexia and bulimia just to fit what society says is beautiful and perfect. Reality is when you work hard for your two college degrees and you build a career for yourself and you become a registered nurse and then you choose to be an alcoholic instead. Reality, reality is when you choose alcohol, prescription pain pills written from your doctor, and even abusive men over your own two little girls. It's when you avoid your family and you abandon all those who love you the most just for your own selfish desires, not caring the hurt that you cause them. How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. What is reality? Reality is, at a young age, the death of your grandparents enables the court systems to make you choose between parents who you barely knew. Reality is, at the age of 14, being on drugs because you had a friend, not a mother. Reality is, the death of your father, who you never gave a chance to be your father. At least you're wondering what it would have been like for him to have been in your life. Which sends you deeper into your methamphetamine addiction and you completely lose faith in God. Reality is, finally hitting rock bottom because you put your little girl in danger because you were high. I don't know that was reality because that was me. Reality is when you're six months pregnant and your fiance cheats on you, abandons you, leaving you feeling heartbroken and hopeless. Reality is feeling rejected to the point of using drugs to numb the pain. Reality is realizing how your addiction has hurt your now 20-year-old son, paralyzing you with guilt and shame. How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. What is reality? Reality. Is this one? Sorry. <laughs> what is reality? Reality is growing up with both of your parents addicted to drugs and abusive to one another. That's more. Reality is <laughs> going to jail for the first time. No, sorry. <laughs> Reality is starting drugs at 14, living on the street, doing whatever it takes to get your next fix, only while your life continues to spiral out of control. Reality is going to jail for the first time. And upon your release, you realize that your mother has died from an overdose of pills and your father of cancer six months later. Reality is losing custody of both your children because your drug addiction has consumed your life. How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. What is reality? Reality is when you have a happy, fulfilled life. Till the age of 45, you take your first drink of hard alcohol and your life quickly spirals out of control. Reality is when you end up in and out of jail with multiple DUIs and you're all alone. You start moving from city to city to get a fresh start, leaving your family and everything you know behind, only to find yourself deeper in the pit of alcoholism and depression. Reality is, when you are reaching for God and you know alcohol is killing you, controlling you, leaving you homeless and alone, you have no purpose in life. The devil's got a grip on you, and he won't let go. 
How do I know that's reality? Because that was me. Bless her Even though we all have different realities, praise God, we've been changed by the same truth. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that any man in Christ is a new creation, that old things have passed away and all things become new. So the truth is, I've tried recovery for a long time, and I would get better, and I would relapse, and I would get better and relapse. So the enemy tries to keep me discouraged, but Philippians 1.6 tells us to be confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The truth is, I was so obsessed with my cars, my status, my wealth, my relationships. But now, Colossians 3.2 reminds me to keep my eyes on things above, not on the things of this world. So today, church, I'm no longer concerned with what the world says that I'm supposed to be. Instead, I'm embracing who God says that I am. And I'm loved, I'm chosen, and I'm accepted by the creator of this universe. The truth is, I'm building a new foundation for my daughter and I in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says that I have to walk by faith and not by sight. The truth is, I no longer wonder what if. I trust in Jesus. 2 Timothy 1 7 says that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Truth is, (laughs) truth is, no matter what trials I've faced, I take comfort in Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future. The truth is that for years, my sorrows left me feeling defeated. But now that I have truly given my life over to God, my view of my troubles and sorrows has changed. He's taken my mess and he's making it a message for those who have no hope. Not only that, he gives me joy to get me through. So today, church, I may be in a storm, but I'm dancing in the rain. Truth is, I have endured a lot of hardships in my life because of my drug use. But Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me all weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Truth is, I am finding where my strength comes from. Psalm seventy three twenty six says, Only by the strength have I placed in your heart have you come so far. Not my strength, but yours. Not my will, but yours. <laughs> Truth is, I've suffered a lot from the choices that I've made. But First but Peter five ten says, Come to me. No, sorry. <laughs> Truth is, I've suffered a lot because of the choices that I made. But First Peter five five ten says, "God of all grace, who called you into His eternal glory, will He Himself make you strong, firm, and steadfast?" The truth is, the devil's grip is strong, but God's love is stronger. The truth is, Luke ten nineteen says, "I give you authority to step on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and you will not be harmed." I have learned my value and self-worth again as the daughter of the king. And I have learned to, to love and be loved again with my RSM sisters and God. And the truth is, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I tell you the truth, if you've not been born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And, and the, the truth, truth has set, set you free. free.
Waking up to a new sunrise <coughs> Looking back from the other side I can see now with open eyes Darkest waters and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything Cause my brokenness brought me to you And these wounds are a story I'll use So I'm thankful for the scars Cause without them I wouldn't know your heart and I know they'll always tell of who you are so forever I am thankful for your scars now I'm standing in confidence with your strength and your faithfulness that I'm not who I was before no I don't have to fear anymore so I'm thankful for the scars cause without them I wouldn't know your heart and I know they'll always tell of who so forever I am thankful for the scars I can see, I can see how you delivered me In your hands, in your feet, I found my victory I can see, I can see how you delivered me in your hands, in your feet, I found my victory. I'm thankful for your scars, cause without them I wouldn't know your heart. And with my life I'll tell of who you are. So forever I am thankful, I'm thankful for your scars, cause without them I wouldn't know your heart, and I know they'll always tell of who you are, so forever I am thankful for the scars. So forever I am thankful for the scars. All right. Good morning, church. My name is Becky, and I'm 37, and... Just bear with me, okay? (laughs) 
Okay, so um, my childhood was probably not your average childhood, I would say. Um, I have two sisters. I'm the youngest. My mother and father both had a drug addiction to cocaine and marijuana and drank alcohol all the time. So growing up, um, I was accustomed to seeing drug use and having people over all the time and them just partying and not really... They loved us, but they didn't really... They weren't really there for us. My sisters basically raised me. So that was tough, you know, seeing those things and growing up like that. It was pretty tough. And I always wondered, why they, why do they do this? What's so great about it? What's so, why are we so different? Why are they so different? Um, I remember um, I was seven years old, and my dad passed me a joint for the first time. Um, and I partaked in it, of course, because I thought that was normal. I thought that's what we did, you know. Um, I liked it, you know. I say, well, <laughs> this is why they like it so much. It makes you feel funny. You laugh and you go, and it's, it's cool. You like it. So I would say that that really was kind of what started my drug addiction. Um, but there was also, i back up a little bit, um, before that, now, I've never said this to anybody. This is my first time actually speaking this out to existence. So, But I feel like it's on my heart. I need to let it out. Go ahead. Come on. So. Uh, my father was drunk. He was completely wasted. And I remember I was, I want to say, like, maybe four or five I don't know why he did this, but I was asleep with my sisters. And he came in and he proceeded just to kiss me. Like, and I don't understand why. And I never, uh, I felt so, like, I couldn't even, can't even tell you how I felt, how that made me feel. So I think in turn, that kind of ruined what I thought a relationship was supposed to be. Like, I had no idea. And so I think that also really started heavy with me with the drugs because I didn't want to think about that. I didn't want to face that any longer because it was playing over and over in my mind. It's all I thought about. Like, why would you do that to your daughter? Um, anyway, so... <laughs> Um, and school was never a good thing for me either. I never went to school either because I got picked on all the time because I was always the heavy set girl or the one that didn't have the coolest clothes. And so that was traumatic too. So I never really went to school either. So um, I'd say I was 14 and it's when everything really started. Um, I quit school by that time. I'm um, only finished sixth grade, barely. Um, and I was living on the streets because it was better than living at home, um, dealing with them drinking and partying and doing all that crazy stuff. But in turn, I was doing the same thing they were, just not there, just not there. I was on the streets. So um, the people, of course, I was hanging out with were not the appropriate people, but they were doing heroin. Um, and so that's when really my love affair with that started and now mind you I didn't um 
snorted or I didn't smoke it. I dove right in and I'm an IV user and that's what I did the very first time. And it's all it took was one time and I was completely um, engulfed in that and that's all I ever wanted. That's all I desired because doing that you didn't have to feel, you didn't have to think about life. You just were there kind of floating around numb. Now mind you, um, living on the street, young like that, being a drug addict, um, especially with that, you had to have it every day. So in turn, there was things that I would do for those for those drugs with men all the time, just so I wasn't sick. And you know that. It's terrible. Why do you do these things to yourself? I ask myself all the time. Why did God, I know it wasn't God, but why did I have to grow up in a family seeing those things? Why did I in turn do those things? So, um, I'd say I was probably 17 and I met my son's father who was 37, um, and from my standpoint, looking back at that, or looking at him, I thought, well, wow, he's got a job, he makes good money, he has his own place to live, this is my way out from the streets. Yeah, it was one of the worst decisions, again, that I've ever made, because in turn, he was an alcoholic, he smoked, and he smoked cocaine. So here we go with this. <laughs> I dove right headfirst in the doing cocaine and drinking with him. And I'd say me and Scott were together probably for six years off and on. And then, you know, um, we started fighting all the time. And, you know, beatings occurred here and there, you know. Um, and I would say probably three years into that, I discovered that I was pregnant with my son who's 16 now and um, I tried to quit doing drugs I did for a little while and I would start while I was pregnant back and forth but thank God when he was born he wasn't addicted to anything um, so here I am 20 have a baby drug addict living in this terrible, terrible household. So we did that for a while, but I just remember this one particular moment just sticks out in my mind. Dylan probably wasn't even two. And it was like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, and he was crying, so I went and I got him up. And I just let him run around the house doing whatever he wanted while all of us were there partying and I'd paid no mind to him and he was just he was just sitting there crying like and I just ignored him who could do that is what I was thinking now so finally I got strong enough and I said no more I left him moved in with my sister me and my son did and for a little while, I did good. I got a job, and I was working. I had a brand-new car. Life was good, but only for a short time. Um, I dove right back into drugs and alcohol once again, wrecked my car, totaled it, lost my job. Then 
I met this other man who was probably, I was probably 24, 25, and he was maybe about 36 or so. And I said, well, here we go again with this. This guy looks like my way out. You know, um, he has a good job, so I thought he had his own place. Should I looked in, if I had looked in further to that, I would have known differently. He was a drug addict. He sold drugs. <laughs> so again, I dove right, right back into that, and we were together for like eight years, and um, just nothing but drug use continually. Um, then our house got raided. Um, the police came in, threw us on the ground, you know, beat us a little bit. It was really, really traumatic. And I just remember thinking, wow, hmm, now I'm going to jail for how long? This is going to be great. <laughs> so because of that, I am now a two-time convicted drug felon. Um, <laughs> I've been to jail multiple, multiple times, multiple multiple times um and each time never gets no better but the sad thing about that is in the back of my mind in my heart I'm like oh well jail that's comfortable I can rest there I don't have to worry about anything you get institutionalized and I think that is a very sad existence existence as well but you do get comfortable there because you're used to it um so I get released um, and then I find out that while I was there my mother she overdosed my father found her in the bed he revived her um, and she died again and then he revived her one more time before the ambulance got there um but she died again, and the ambulance had revived her on the way to the hospital. But by that time, um, she had lost so much oxygen to her mind that she became brain dead, and she was on a ventilator. And so... So we all had to go in and say our goodbyes to her. And right before we pulled the plug, she had a tear that ran down her face. And we all think that that was her saying that she loved us and she was okay. And she was safe. So we did that. And and her anniversary of her death is on the 12th of this month. Um, and she'd be gone for 12 years. So it's pretty fresh right now, you know. And then um, after that, I found out that my father had got throat cancer um, when he was in the ho- when I was in jail. He had got throat cancer. Um, now, shortly after mom's passing, he had his voice box removed because of the throat cancer. And um, now, mind you, I was pretty sober at this point—not completely, but I was functioning anyway. You know. Um, so I moved in um, with my son to his house. Um, I fed him. I bathed him. I took care of my father because that's what you're supposed to do. And even though he did what he did, I loved him so much. I was definitely a, a daddy's girl. Um, so I did that, and I just remember 
it wasn't long after um, that I left for the weekend and I was out partying, um, doing my own thing, and he had called me. And instead of talking to him, I pressed the ignore button. And he left me a message and he said, Becky, I don't know how much longer I can go. This depression is killing me. And I feel like he was asking me for help. So two days after that went by, nobody had heard from him. So I went to the house to see and unfortunately he had passed away that very night and he'd been on the floor for two days and I found him <laughs> and I carry the guilt of that um, even though it probably wasn't my fault but I feel like if I would have answered that phone I could have been there for him and I wasn't So, <laughs> after that, it was, my life took a total, total nosedive. I'm surprised I'm even here. Um, I OD'd probably a handful of times. I tried to commit suicide. Um, uh, it was a terrible, terrible existence. Uh, but after all that, I, once again, was living on the streets because that's was better than anything else that I could think of doing at the time because drugs were my best friend. Um, so that's what I was doing. And I met, <laughs> again, I met a man who had a place, had money, had a home. So, of course, I said, well, here we go. This is this is better than living on the streets, right? Um so I move in with him. Of course, it wasn't any better. We were still doing drugs and whatever have you. Um, and we were together for only three months, and I got pregnant with my daughter, <coughs> who will be five tomorrow. Um, Bless her. And... I've not seen or talked to her in probably two years. My son is almost 16. I've not heard or talked to him in probably about seven. And I feel terrible because I chose drugs because I didn't want to have the responsibility of taking care of my children. So I took the easy way out. My father, or her father's parents adopted her, and they live in New Jersey. I get no t- no contact with her, nothing. Um, so that's a very hard thing to swallow. Um, I miss them so much, and I can only imagine what they probably think of their mother who left them and chose drugs. Um, anyway... Uh, so after all that, uh, I got 
my probation officer had come to the house to do a home visit, and of course I was intoxicated. I couldn't even function, and so I got violated, went to jail, spent however long I was there, a few months, probably 10, maybe a year, um, got released, uh, lived on the street again. Um, I was probably out maybe um, two months or so, got picked up this past May, May 13th, um, went to jail, um, and at this point, I promise you guys, I was exhausted. I was completely done being a drug addict, living on the street, sleeping with men, being that person. I was completely, completely done. So I wrote out and asked for any kind of recovery program that I could I could get, and the response I got was Recovery Soldiers Ministries. Now, <laughs> of course, when I first heard of it, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a little scary. This is going to be a little intense because I really didn't know much about God. Um, so I was a little, little scared because we the programs are pretty intensive, um, but you do get used to things. You know, it, it becomes a lot easier. So um, thank God for that, and thank God for RSN because I'm finally healing and having peace in my heart because of God. I could not imagine living without him, and he's so good, and he heals, and he restores, and he just, everything's so much better. Um, And it saddens my heart that I missed all those years without him because we all should just embrace embrace him because he's so good all the time. And so I just want to thank you guys for listening to me, and I hope that it helps anyone who is suffering or who just needed to hear my testimony. I hope that you it helps you, and thank you guys so much. church. My name is Tabitha Britt. Um, I'm actually from over here in Belton. Um, I see a familiar face uh, for sure. Um, I was raised on vacation Bible school in Dollywood. My grandparents, my grandmother and my grandfather uh, raised me good, really good. Uh, I see y'all wallering them kids back there in the pews. That's what I used to do to my mama. <laughs> Just keep wallering them. <laughs> It'll pay off, I promise. <laughs> Um, that's where my personality was developed, I feel like, was those years whenever I was growing up in church. Um, and when I was about 11, uh, my papa died, and it wasn't very soon after that that my mama died. Um, I tried to live with my dad uh, for a little while. Um, I never really met my mom. I met her like once, and... My dad had disciplined me a couple times, which was well-deserved and needed because I was, you know, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Um, But they were good. They were good disciplines. And, um, you know, my mom came into the picture after my grandparents died, and she had signed over her rights, but she hired a lawyer and, like, took pictures of where my dad was living at, which was, like, this little office trailer because... He was building a house. He built a whole big house for me and him. Um, 
but she took pictures of that little, that little trailer and stuff and um by that time whenever she had got to court um i was old enough i was 12 years old um i was old enough to pick which parent that i wanted to live with which is not an appropriate age for any child to be able to choose which parent they get to live with because i chose my mom because it was new it was brand new you know I, it was i just wanted to go with my mom because i just didn't know her um and i was you know, two years later i was 14 i was already smoking pot and doing a number of other things uh she worked night shift um so way way too much freedom for a 14 year old and plus the church thing my mom hasn't been a believer since she was 15 since her sister got killed when she was 15 so she's been the same way without god her whole life pretty much um and we've learned here in a class that we just took that Whenever you don't have your birth parents, it causes a disconnect, um, and it and you have one emotional wounds that run deep whenever that happens, um, and any form of rejection like that. So I had those wounds from not being with them, and then another one was created when I rejected my dad by choosing my mom, and then going over to my mom's, and another rejection was you know the fact that she was never there. I felt rejected by her so it was kind of like a double whammy there and you know I was pretty and young and you know everybody liked me so I just went and hung out <laughs> and like I said it was just too much freedom before you knew it I was um doing meth and in all the wrong places at all the wrong times uh, then I ended up smoking crack with my mom uh and that was when I decided that something was going to have to change. For some reason, it never crossed my mind to just go move in with my dad. Um, I chose to move to California and live with my sister. <laughs> so I moved to San Francisco, and I lived there for eight years. Um, I didn't do any meth, but everything else under the sun. I lived on my own out there, though, after about two years. Um, it was an experience, you know. It was definitely an experience. Um, and so I was still separated from God all throughout those years. Um, I came back, and I was like 23, I think. And shortly after that, my dad died. And I, you know, I felt really bad for never making a relationship, an effort to have a relationship with him. Um, and... I don't know, it just sent me in into a, a rut of methamphetamine and, and uh, abusive men. And I got seven felony charges, uh, so I'm delivery times seven. And I got a six-year at 30% sentence. Um, I did that, and when I got out of there... I met my child's father. I didn't meet him, but he started coming around. I'd known him my whole life. I ended up getting pregnant with my little girl. Her name is Charlie May. Um, she just turned six. She's awesome. She looks just like me. Thank God she didn't take after her dad. Um, 
um, but uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I didn't even breastfeed because I had already had a plan to, you know, go get high. So I could breastfeed because I had to go get high. Um, you know, the enemy had planted it in my head that I had to have that to wake up to do any, to do anything. I had to get it up, do it, and then I could start my day. Then I could go about my business. Um, I never would drag her around anywhere. You know, I lived with my mom and my sister. Um, but I was still, you know, after I would go and chase after it and go get it, and then I would go home and play house and be a good mom. Um, so I thought. Um, that went on for four, four years, five years. And um, I'd gotten in some serious situations throughout that time. Uh, but I was always able to recover gracefully somehow, not so gracefully um, sometimes. And uh, nobody really, really knew what was going on until like the last year uh, that I was out. Um, I've been here six months. And before that, I was in jail for 11 months, and I had taken some acid, and I had some delusions, and so I called the law, and <laughs> told them what I thought, and I had some meth there, and of course I was obviously intoxicated. My daughter was asleep, um, so they took me to jail, and... My sister, I've signed over uh, my rights, so my sister can adopt my little girl. She can't have kids, um, and I'm in no position to attempt to be the mom that she needs right now. Uh, I have to fix some wounds that are run deep in me, and and I know that. Um, you know, my mom says I haven't seen her since that night um so that's what 16 months um my mom says that they could just they they can't bring her because they don't want to be the ones to have to take her back away from me because she knows me as mom she misses me you know she loves me we had fun um but they don't want to cause any kind of rifts there you know I can't tell you how I would feel about that you know it, it may affect me it may make me want to leave even though if I did leave I wouldn't be able to be around her um but emotions can make you run wild if you allow them to um but I got news the other day uh that they may bring her for the Christmas visit um it's, I'm not. I'm not clinging to it. You know, I'm, they may. Um, I'm gonna try to get some counseling sessions in, so the counselor there at the center can send a letter to my sister, so she can see that I've been in counseling and stuff. And it's just a process. It's it's a process, and I and I understand that. Um, and you know, I don't. I don't want to give her any kind of false, you know, hope that she would get to see me. Um, more often than she might, you know. I just I want her to I want her to be okay, and I know that she's okay where she's at, and and that's the most important thing to me. 
Um, how I got here, I, when I went into jail, I, I didn't really believe in God. And I had been reading my Bible. It, um, I don't know, I just started reading my Bible. And then I just decided to change the way I talked. So I stopped kissing. Um, then I started leading the prayer circle. And then I made all the girls in the pod do a Bible study. Um, and I was just laying on the top bunk one day. And it was quiet. It was after cleaning supplies. And it was quiet. And I just heard a voice inside my head saying, Recovery Warriors, Recovery Warriors. I was already accepted into many hearts, and I could get that done in eight months, and I was going to do that. Um, but I asked for an application for recovery soldiers, which was the closest thing I could get to, and they had called me that Monday, and they approved me, and that was that. I still had to wait another five months uh, before I could come, and then right before I got out of jail, you know, the paperwork hadn't been faxed, so nobody was letting me go anywhere. And I tried to execute my own will. I was like, well, let me just go to Men and Hearts. Let's go to Nashville. Well, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And my brother called them all day on a Monday, and nobody answered the phone there. And at 930 that night, he called Recovery Soldiers. And Miss Megan answered the phone at 930 and had my stuff faxed over by the next morning. I, I got out. I spent the day with my mom. I spent the night at her house. I didn't even really go out into the world at all because I knew better. <laughs> So the next day I come here, and I've been here ever since. Um, it's a whole, it's a whole family. We love each other very much. Um, we're all healing and we're all growing, and it's a whole process, and it's exciting and it's scary at the same time, and it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work. They don't make you bust rock, but it's almost close to it. <laughs> but. My stand-on verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. I have to walk by faith and not by sight. And I just thank y'all for listening to me. Thank y'all. Faithfulness is walk beside me. Your winter storms make way for spring. In every season, from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. All over my life I see your promises and fulfillments All over my life All over my life Help me remember when I'm weak That fear may come but fear will leave You lead my heart to victory 
You are my strength and you always will be. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises and fulfillments all over my life, all over my life. See the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is headless. All my sins rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. I see the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is headless. All my sins rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. of your goodness all over my life all over my life I see your promises and fulfillment all over my life all over my life yes I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises and fulfillments all over my life, all over my life. Why should I fear the Why should I fear the evidence is church. Um, my name's Nikki. Um, I'm also a leader here um, at Recovery Soldiers, and I've been in the program about nine and a half months. Um, I'm 45 years old. Um, I'm from a small town. Um, it's a big stone gap, Virginia. Um, not too far away from here. Um, but I also grew up in, in church. Um, I'm the baby of three girls. My dad was a coal miner, and my mom was a nurse. Um, my, my dad took me and my sisters to church every Sunday because where my mom was a nurse she worked a lot and um, you know I grew up knowing who God was but I never really had a personal intimate relationship with God um, until probably about a year ago really um, just a little bit of I was thinking about it about a month or two ago and I was thinking you know really I can sit here and I've gave my testimony many times and I can you know, tell you all the things that I've done wrong in my life and, you know, my legal issues and my legal troubles. But really, I feel like I give Satan enough glory and glorify my past. And so, you know, I just, I really don't want to glorify him any more than he deserves. Um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is that, you know, for about, to be in addiction since I was 16 years old, 
I lived about 2% of my life for God. And the rest of it, I was living for Satan and, you know, doing the things of the world and the worldly things, you know. And since since living that 2% for God, he's done so many amazing things in my life. Um, I have three children. Um, my children are 23, 19, and 11. Um, I'm also been married to my husband. I've been with him since I was 16 years old. Um, we both lived in addiction. Um, we were very codependent on one another. Um, you know, just like Whitney says in her Truths and Realities, I've tried many times to get sober. And every time that I would want to get sober, he would want to use. And every time he would try to get sober, I would want to use. So we've kind of always played off one another. And I've never really turned down any type of drug. So I would do whatever. Um, but about four years ago, I was introduced to methamphetamine. And that's when my life really changed. Um, I always felt like I was a functioning addict until I was introduced to that drug. That drug quickly cost me everything. My marriage, um, my relationship with my children, the custody of my children, uh, the relationship with my family, my friends, my career. I picked up four felony possessions uh, within an eight-month time frame, an introduction, um, two DUIDs, and a public intoxication. At 44 years old, never been in any legal trouble in my life. Um, that's all those charges. And right now, most of them are pending. Um, but last August, I remember sitting in jail. And I had been in jail in Sullivan County, Duffield Regional Jail. And, you know, I got bailed out every time. My family, you know, my sister would come to my rescue. Um, or my husband at that time. But the last time, we weren't even really on speaking terms. Um, my best friend became my worst enemy. And um, I remember calling him from jail. And he told me that we were all, him and the kids were just better off. If I just stayed there, I died. And that hurt. And I realized then that I, the only person I had to rely on was myself. And then I quickly realized I don't even have myself to rely on. And I remember this lady it was in the cell beside of me. We were on 23-hour lockdown there. And um, I remember her, when she had her hour at right time, she came and slid, uh, she tore out the book of Psalms, and she slid it under my door. And I remember reading that, because it's the only reading material I had, to be honest with you. It's not what I wanted to read at that time. Uh, but I started reading that. And I remember this dream, is, and God just revealed this dream to me not long ago. Um, because I was high when I went to jail, so I didn't really never know if it was a dream or being high. But I remember laying in water, and I remember seeing light, and I remember, and y'all are gonna think I'm crazy, but I remember, um, I remember a voice saying to me, just tap your right hand in the water if, this, if, you, if you wanna live, if you wanna be with me. And I remember, you know, the left hand is if you wanna die. And I know that sounds so crazy now, but I believe in all my might that that was a God experience for me. Um, Bless and a couple days later, the tenth day I was there actually, <laughs> for the eighth time, um, I called my sister and she told me about Recovery Soldiers Ministries. And she said it was a year program. And I said, I'm not doing it, I'm not going a year. I'll go anywhere else, but I can't do this for a year. I'm serious. I've already missed out on so much with my kids. No, I'm not doing a year. 
but I'll go anywhere else you want to go. So she gave me a few days. I called my mother-in-law. She tells me the same place. Um, and then at this point, I'm just like, yeah, I'll go. Whatever. I'll go. Just come get me out of jail. I don't want to be here anymore. And um, my husband actually, I waited all day the next day. Nobody came got me. And about 1030 that night, you know, they hollered for me. And my husband's there to bail me out. And he's like, but you have to go. And I remember being so angry because he was in addiction as well, doing the same things I was doing, just that he always pointed the blame to me. So everybody always thought it was me because I was getting all the legal issues and he wasn't. And I remember I came to this program the next day within 24 hours. I came high, got high right down the road before I pulled in. Uh, this program is not a program you want to come into high because <laughs> uh, you come in and you hear about Jesus the minute you hit the door. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I remember being awake for the first two days there, the first two nights, and I was like, oh, my Lord, <laughs> what is going on? Um, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Um, but, you know, it, I had people there, you know, and I remember the first church service that we went to. She's actually graduated the program now, but she gave her testimony, and there was so much similarity in her story than mine, and I realized I wasn't alone, and there was hope. Amen. Amen. So I got saved that, that very day Pray at that church on. service. Hallelujah. And I got baptized a few weeks later at our, at our redemption house. And, you know, I stayed sober. My kids were starting to come see me. Uh, but my husband was still in addiction. And I let the enemy get in my head. And he told me I had to leave. That I needed to go save him. I needed to go home. It was right before the holidays. It was Halloween last year. And I remember wanting to be home for Christmas so bad because I'd already been high all the Christmases before. Um, and I went home. And um, when I was home on Christmas, I didn't see my kids probably 30 minutes an hour. They didn't want to be around me. I was high again. Um, you know, I quickly, I quickly got back involved in the world. And now it just it scares me to know that I'm about to finish this program because I don't want to go back out in the world. I'm protected here. Bless her, Jesus. Um, Bless her, Lord. And God's just done so much for me. My husband, is he went through a program. He's hes sober now. Um, he's had some issues since he's finished his program. He's back into the program, actually, um, right now. Um, so addiction is very real, and relapsing and getting out in the world is also very real. And um, I'm just thankful to know that before I would have ran, when something like this happened, but I have so much peace and that I know that I'm confident in what God's going to do in my life and in my husband's life that I don't have to worry about it because I can't save anybody. Only God can. Amen. So my stand on verse is actually Philippians 1, 6 as well. It's uh, be confident in this. He who has begun a good work in you will see it through completion to the day of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for this ministry. It's really showed me how to pray. I remember coming in not knowing how to pray. I know there's ladies that come in now and they'll say, how do you pray? You're like, well, you know how you do that? And I've always just simply, you know, a, a lady told me when I came in and it's never left me. Just talk to him. Like, close your eyes. Imagine you're at his feet and talk to him. And that's the biggest thing that's helped me to develop a relationship with God is because I know that I can just be me, that he loves me anyway, that he chose me, that he died for me. Um, So I'm just thankful today to have an intimate relationship with him, to know that I don't have to go to people, that he's the one I go to. Um, But anyway, as you can imagine, 
Uh, we have, what, 32 ladies now, I think, 32, 33 ladies. And I don't even know how many we have because we don't, <laughs> we're kept separate. But I think we have about 40-some men. But that's uh, three meals a day, you know, times 30, um, 30 some showers a day. So it's just, uh, we have a lot of uh, spiritual and financial needs, so y'all be praying for us. Um, I've seen, uh, yeah, at the thrift store, you yeah, at the thrift store the other day. We also have our thrift store, and I have to mention it because I work there every single day. Um, and I love it so much, but we actually, uh, we are thrift store. Everything we sell there goes right back into our ministry. We also take things. If there's things that you got laying around your house that you don't want, bring it to us. We'd love to like, clean it up and resell it. And everything we sell goes right back to us. Um, the ladies run it, so it's nice and neat and clean. If you haven't been there, um, so you can support us that way. Also, I have some brochures here that's got a, a mail in for uh, monthly sponsorship. So if God's taking at your heartstrings to sow into ministry, this is one that definitely changes lives, that definitely gives children their mothers and their fathers back, that gives, you know, spouses their significant other back. It's just it's awesome. It's really it's really great to see, you know, what God's doing and it's it's a blessing to me because I've seen every single one of these ladies that are here today come in, you know, and uh I can, it's, it's crazy because I can't see myself change, but I can see them change, you know? And, and I know they've seen me change in ways since they've met me. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing to share in somebody's spiritual walk. So it's just, it's a great ministry. But thank you so much for having us. Um, we love you, and thanks. Turn it back over to you. If you enjoyed uh, Recovery Soldiers uh, Ladies Ministry today, let's give them one more round of applause. Um, and we are, we're going to take a special love offering up for these ladies. Um, and I do echo their sentiment, and that is that um, I can't think of a better cause that you could uh, invest uh, in. Uh, than um, than this ministry and uh, the proof's in the pudding. You know what I love about this ministry is the emphasis upon scripture. You know, anytime they've been with us, whether it be the men and now the ladies, you know, it's just Bible after Bible after Bible. And friend, ultimately, that's the only thing that'll change someone's heart and life. And so I appreciate that. Um, let me. Uh, I do want to read, and I'm not preaching. I'm I'm reading. <laughs> I know y'all don't trust me, right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Wayne. Say something. Go ahead, brother. Bless her, Lord. Blessing, Lord.
Wow. Then I told you all about, you know, that we had had the Ben's group come to this church a few times. And so I had asked the person <coughs> that I was talking to um, to, you know, check with them to see if y'all could come to our church. So after I prayed and I got into that week and some of the problems that I was going through and some of the that I was telling God uh, has blessed me so much. He has blessed me with some truly wonderful friends here. Praise God. Church. Praise God. He has blessed me to be a part of this group. And, you know, my dad, he was a preacher. And um, I, 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 I went to church, and, but I loved getting high. There was just something up in my head. But God has blessed me so much. And for your love to the other day, I don't know who asked for the prayer request. They just said somebody asked for us to pray for you. And um, they got me. Uh, so never let up your car because it is. It's, it's always going to be a constant battle. No matter what. It's going to. Blessing. You can have 20. I had a buddy at 30 years and told me when he said, some morning let's go wake up and I want to drink. And so I go to meetings and I go to church and I do this and I study just be present forward and you never let your car down because once you let that car down, it's over, it's all down there. And I appreciate this church so much. Amen. Because before I moved here, four years ago, I was out of church all um, and uh, I just, I don't know, I just didn't seem to see the point in church or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to do it. I go to a peer support program three days a week, and like, they're the best friends that I've got. I can talk to them about anything. Um, I've a wonderful mom who has stuck out when I was in prison, when I was in the psych ward. So Amen. She was right there with me. Amen. He's passed away. I just, uh, I, I pray for you girls, you know, the best ones. Let me read a passage of scripture. Jeremiah 8, 20 through 22. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people and my hurt, I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Obviously the answer is yes. Then why then is not the health of my daughter, the daughter of my people, recovered? Alright, and then... Jeremiah 46, 11. I'm giving you these verses because Lord willing I'm going to preach on this tonight. God give this to me as I was contemplating the ladies being with us. Jeremiah 46, 11. Go up into Gilead and take balm, O virgin, uh, the daughter of Egypt. In vain shalt thou use many medicines, for thou shalt not be cured. There's some truths there. And uh, contemplate that, and Lord willing, that's what we'll preach on. This evening. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Might as well. 
Amen. Yes, sir, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's wonderful, Tyler. Amen. Amen. Favorite part of that uh, testimony is I will uh, convert other sinners. Show them thy ways. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, Miss um, Grace, you come. We're going to uh, take up a love offering on behalf of these ladies, and I want you to dig deep. Give just exactly as God would have you to. Don't hold out. Uh, they need, I promise you, they need all the financial help and support they can get. Uh, amen. So let's give cheerfully and let's give as the Lord uh, purposes in our hearts. Uh, so let us give. This will also be an invitation. This altar's open. If God has spoken to your heart through something that's been shared here today, you mind the Lord and you be obedient. Um, there is a bomb in Gilead, there is a solution, and there is a remedy in His name, is Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. Anthony, you lead us in prayer, brother. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come back to you again. God, we're just thankful for our time.